The following program was paid for by Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. The views and opinions expressed on Answers Live are not necessarily those of the staff and management of the station. Management has not investigated the claims made during this program. The views and medical recommendations of guests on Answers Live are not necessarily those of Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. As always, consult your health professional regarding any medical decisions. Welcome to Answers Live, your community medical connection, making a partnership of good health. The studio lines are open for your calls and questions. Call 973-267-9687. Now, here's your host, Tom Wood. Good morning and welcome to Answers Live, your community medical connection, creating a partnership of good health. I'm your host, Tom Wood from ANS. ANS is Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialist, the largest subspecialized neurosurgery group in the state of New Jersey. With seven locations throughout the state, our newest one right here in Bedminster, New Jersey, to serve the Somerset County residents. Our main office is located in Morristown at 310 Madison Avenue in Morristown. Our number is 973-285-7800. You can reach us on the web at www.ansdocs.com. Com. Again, that's www.ansdocs.com. Excuse me. Remember, don't let insurance dictate where you go. We will see all patients and work with everyone. So neurosurgery care is available for you. As you know, every Sunday I bring you different topics. This topic today is very interesting to me because we're going to be discussing summer safety and health. Those questions that you kind of have curiosity about and you just don't know who to ask. Well, today my special guest is Dr. William Gluckman. He's from Faster Urgent Care, and they are located at 130 Speedwell Avenue, Morris Plains, New Jersey. And I'll give you his number now and again at the end of the show. To reach Dr. Gluckman, it's 862-242-8053. Again, that's 862-242-8053. And you could reach him on the web at fasteruc.com. Good morning, Dr. Gluckman. Good morning. Glad to have you on the show today. Again, we've had so many different topics over the several months, and this is something that I thought would be really unique, is to bring on a doctor that can answer a lot of common questions we have. Uh, and since you're local to the area, I'm sure a lot of people pass your, your um, practice there and, and um, have heard of you, so I wanted to bring you on to ask specific questions. But before we start, can you give our listeners a little bit of um, an idea who Dr. William Gluckman is? Sure, thank you. I'm a, an emergency physician by training. I did my residency at Jacoby Medical Center in the Bronx. I've been a practicing emergency physician for over 15 years. Uh, I left the emergency department uh, approximately four years ago to open uh, the urgent care center. I found that it's a great alternative to the emergency department for those with minor to moderate illnesses and injuries. Uh, we don't have the wait times uh, nor the expense of the emergency department. As the population grows and patients become sicker and sicker, the wait times in the emergency departments are growing. and. We provide an alternative service for, for our patients. That's incredible. And you're like located right here in Morris Plains, again, at 130 Speedwell Avenue. I put together several different questions for you today. I guess ones that I would think people would want to kind of know about. Um, I guess the one, I'm going to kind of pull them out of order that I did them because of the heat we've been having lately. I want to touch a little bit on heat exhaustion and heat stroke. Um, can we discuss actually what that is, what causes that, and what should we do about it? Sure. Heat exhaustion and heat stroke are often used uh, interchangeably, incorrectly. They're actually two separate entities. Okay. Heat exhaustion is a milder form of heat illness. Uh, it occurs when you've been out in the sun or the heat and particularly excessively humid conditions uh, where you start to become dehydrated. 
you will develop symptoms including nausea, vomiting, headache, uh, significant weakness and fatigue, uh, as well as dizziness. Uh, if that's left untreated, it can progress on to a more serious condition, which is heat stroke. Heat stroke is actually a life-threatening emergency uh, in which the body's thermostat totally misfires, uh, malfunctions, and uh, just like a radiator on your car that fails, you will overheat. Okay. Uh, those uh, that are affected by heat stroke lose the ability to control their temperature. Their temperatures can exceed 106 degrees. Wow. And they can, uh, they can develop seizures, um, become confused, uh, pass out, uh, and can actually uh, die from this disorder. Okay, so that is life-threatening. Something with heat exhaustion, how, how would we prevent that, especially a lot of people who have um, jobs outside? Um, you know, you say stay hydrated. Is drinking water enough, or should people actually take a break, get cooled off, go inside? Um, and if you can't do that, what's the best way to help prevent that? Certainly, if your job absolutely requires you to be outside, uh, such as if you're in law enforcement or a firefighter, uh, they're particularly um, uh, susceptible to this and, and are aware, need to be drinking uh, fluids constantly. You should be drinking at least two to three liters of uh, water a day. And when you're engaged in hot activities and you're exercising, you need to continue to drink even more than that. Uh, a gauge for a good fluid volume is that you should be urinating at least every three hours, okay. um, and the urine should be clear. If it's dark or you're not uh, urinating that often, that can be an early indicator of, of dehydration. Certainly, if you don't have to be in the heat and you're feeling tired and weak, you should come inside indoors to where it's a cool place. And uh, sometimes the, the elderly can't afford or, or other people cannot afford to run their air conditioners all the time. Uh, there are, uh, during... Uh, times of significant heat cooling centers that are offered uh, in pretty much every town. You can go to the library. You can go to the mall. Those are all areas that are, are frequently air-conditioned and can uh, give you some break from the heat. Okay. That's a good suggestion. Um, I never thought that for people who don't have air-conditioned, go to the mall or, or shop a little bit. Probably more expensive, but at least you can stay cool. Um, how about like putting cold compresses on the neck? I know a lot of people do that. Does that actually help? Uh, it really doesn't help if you get to the point of heat exhaustion okay. or heat stroke. It certainly is comforting, um, but it really isn't treating the underlying condition. If you're feeling sick from the heat, the, really the best thing is to get into the shade um, and at, indoors if you can't get... Uh, um, Get protection. Okay. Well, staying with the sun, let's uh, knock into the next uh, question I have for you is sunburn and safety. Um, with the prevalence of skin cancer, of course, you hear about it. Um, all the commercials about the new types of lotions and protections and, um, you know, the different uh, SPFs of 2 and 10 and 50. And what's really, what should we do about sunburn? Sure. Sunburn is something that you do want to protect. Every time that you have an exposure and, and you have uh, a first-degree burn, which is what a sunburn is, um, you do increase your cancer risk every time. Uh, so particularly the elderly and the very young uh, uh, are greatest uh, or more susceptible to developing sunburn. Uh, but even those that are not fair-skinned can develop burns and, and are also at increased cancer risk. Uh, using a sunblock with an SPF factor of at least 30 is recommended uh, to, to protect you at, at any case, particularly when you're out on the water. 
uh, or at the pool, the sun bounces off of the water and actually uh, acts like a mirroring effect and can amplify the, the amount of radiation that you're getting. Okay, so you recommend 30, nothing below like a, an oil that I used to use with four is probably not a good idea. Generally not a good idea, no. <laughs> okay, so 30 or above as you heard, and you can still get tan through that, right? Because that's what a lot of people say, I want to get color, but you can still get color with sunscreen. You can over time as your body starts to sense uh, its exposure repetitively, your uh, skin, your melanocytes will develop uh, or start uh, giving you color okay, without great. the burning. And that actually, the color change is actually your body's protecting you. Is that really what it's doing? That's correct. Darkening your skin, even though we like it for a look, it's, it's a protection mechanism. Okay, that's very interesting. So everyone listening, remember 30 or above. Um, my next question, again, kind of is, um, I guess, more spring and summer, is uh, seasonal allergies. Um, what are allergies, um, actually, as I uh, have a sore throat today? What causes them? Um, what are some symptoms, and how do we prevent that? Unfortunately, many of us are affected by seasonal allergies, <clears throat> and, and they can start in the fall, um, go through the winter, and uh, everybody has um, the potential to be allergic to uh, pollen or certain trees, and that depends on what season that they're blooming in. So you can have allergies anytime throughout the year. Typically, the spring and summer are big times for a lot of people um, when tree pollen is the highest. Uh, when your body is exposed to what's known as an allergen, such as pollen, your body can respond to that by uh, secreting certain chemicals like histamines uh, that will cause the symptoms uh, so typical of seasonal allergies, that being runny nose, stuffy nose, watery eyes, itchy eyes, sometimes a cough as you have. Right. Uh, and it's really annoying and uncomfortable. Okay. And what would you suggest? Uh, I guess if it gets bad enough, they go see someone like you. But for home remedies, what what is something you can help? As you know, I'm suffering with now. Is it, is it the over counter? Um, medications, the antihistamines, the Sudafeds, uh, sometimes they wire me, so I avoid them. Um, what can you do to help to alleviate those symptoms? Some of the second-generation antihistamines, such as the uh, Allegra, Zyrtex, uh, are non-sedating, and unlike Benadryl, which can certainly make you dry and uh, make you very tired, they're generally pretty well tolerated and, and are very useful medications. Uh, if you are... Uh, symptomatic uh, despite using that, then you can see your doctor and you might be prescribed uh, a nasal steroid, um, which helps uh, at the point of um, the problem, which is up in the nose. It can help prevent that histamine from being released or block the histamine um, and tell your your immune system to kind of quiet down so that you don't get all the, the bad symptoms. Okay. Um, as we're discussing um, allergic reactions to certain things, um, I have a couple of questions around that. But um, what about if you're allergic to bee stings? That's something big um, in the summer. Again, uh, we'll use me as an example, have an allergy to bee stings. Um, how do you, what happens if you get stung with a, a bee and you're allergic or you don't know? What, when do you, should you go see someone like you when things... So initially, a bee sting will affect everybody uh, to some extent. Usually, the, the poison, uh, the venom, will cause a burning sensation, itching, redness, and swelling in the area. But those... People that have a true allergy to the venom will develop an exaggerated response, right. significant redness, significant swelling, and when it begins to affect uh, your breathing and your airways, such as your tongue swelling, your lips swelling, you begin wheezing, um, having shortness of breath, and even passing out, that's when it can become potentially life-threatening. So anybody that hasn't been stung before, 
if you start developing anything more than just localized irritation, uh, you may be experiencing an allergic response and should be seen by a physician. Okay. Is it true um, sometimes if you, you get bit, you can develop an allergy? I know when I was younger, I did get bit by, a, I think it was a bee or yellow jacket, and I had a pretty significant uh, response to that. And uh, I've always went through my life saying I'm allergic to them. But a couple, about two years ago, I got stung, and it wasn't that bad. Can you, can you be allergic and then things get better and vice versa? Can you... Sure, you can have different responses each time, okay. and sometimes uh, sometimes it's related to the particular uh, insect. So you might have gotten stung by a wasp uh, and gotten a smaller dose of venom, and the uh, first time you were stung by a bee, a honeybee tends to leave its venom sac in place and contracts and actually gives you a higher venom dose. Okay. So uh, there's a lot of factors that go into that. But typically, once you've had an exaggerated or a severe allergic response, you do need to take that seriously and assume that your following um, sting will be serious. Okay. Um, let's stay in the little bug category here, and let's touch a little bit on uh, ticks. Um, ticks are kind of like uh, people kind of freak out. Uh, I know my wife does when my kids are even remotely near the woods um, because of the, the Lyme disease. Um, let's talk a little bit about a tick. Kind of what does it look like? A lot of people say, I don't even know what it looks like. Um, what is the? How do you get them? And deer tick, wood tick, what's the difference and what should be done if you do get a tick? Ticks are all over the place. Um, right. There are, uh, as you mentioned, several different types. If you have animals, particularly dogs, they're all over the place. The deer ticks are very common here in Morris County. And the deer tick is the one that carries the uh, bacteria that uh, causes Lyme disease. It's very prevalent in this area. The good news about that is even though you may have a, a infected tick on you or even if the infected tick bites you, if it's not on for a prolonged period of time, you're, the likelihood of you contracting Lyme disease is pretty low. Deer ticks, uh, it's actually... Um, uh, a little out of the scope of this uh, program right. to try to describe exactly how they look. But generally right. speaking, the deer ticks are a lot smaller. Okay. Um, uh, dog ticks, uh, wood ticks are larger. Right. Um, they can be very small, even the size of the head of a pin. Wow. So uh, that's how a lot of people actually miss the initial bite and wind up with Lyme disease. They didn't know that this little tick was on them. But generally speaking, you can see them on you, um, and you do want to remove them as soon as possible to minimize the uh, chance of any transmission of disease. Now, what is the best way? I've, I've seen people, uh, parents actually reacting when they see a tick, and you hear, uh, grab a match, blow it out, touch the tick, uh, get some uh, butter, put it on it, get some Vaseline, put it on it, um, you know, spray things. What is the best <laughs> and safest way, besides running to see you, yes, um, to remove a tick? A lot of uh, old school remedies, uh, as you just mentioned, but right. none of those are effective and actually can make it worse. Putting a hot match or a uh, warm pin to the bottom of a tick can actually uh, get it upset to the point where it will um, Dig in go deeper, ahead right? and, and put the uh, blood back into you and, and actually cause the disease that way. Oh, okay. So you want to uh, ideally take a fine-toothed um, uh Tweezer. tweezer and grab it right at the head as close as you can to the skin and pull it straight up without avoid uh, grabbing the body where its stomach contents are and potentially squeezing it into you. Uh, grab right at the head as close to the skin as possible and pull straight up with force, not a jerking motion. There is a chance that uh, the mouth parts uh, can remain in place if you pull too hard or rip it. 
if the mouth parts remain in place, it is a potential for infection. You'd want to see a physician to have those removed to make sure that it's cleaned out. Okay. I'm going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, talk a little bit more about tick bites, and then continue on with this um, really good conversation. I'll be right back. I'm Tom Wood of Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. Suffering from neck or back pain can truly disrupt your life. Every day I hear of the stories of people whose lives have been devastated by nerve pain, but who are afraid to see a neurosurgeon. They're scared of surgery. But at Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists, we make getting back to the life you want possible using a variety of minimally invasive treatments. Our group of specialists are among the best trained doctors in the state, the leaders in stroke and minimally invasive spine and brain tumor procedures, and we view surgery as the last option. Don't be afraid to end your pain. Trust Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. We have eight offices throughout New Jersey and are affiliated with most healthcare systems. Call 973-285-7800 or visit us at ansdocs.com. That's ansdocs.com. Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialist. We've truly got your back. Welcome back uh, to Answers Live. I'm Tom Wood, your host. I'm here with Dr. William Gluckman, and we're talking about summer safety and health. And I'm kind of asking him a lot of different questions that everyone would probably have. Um, and we're lucky to have him sitting next to me today to answer the questions. We left uh, before the break talking about ticks um, and how to remove them uh, with the tweezer, grabbing them as close to the head as possible and pulling it out. Um, another question I have with the ticks before I move on is, if it is a Lyme disease, Lyme disease tick, um, what do you look for? Um, you hear about this ring. When should someone see you? Um, it's probably more of a visual thing before a symptom of Lyme disease occurs, correct? The, the typical rash of Lyme disease um, is a bullseye-looking rash. So it will look like rings, red rings uh, uh, surrounded by sort of pink rings. That, unfortunately, only shows up about 30% of the time. Okay. So the majority of people who come down with Lyme disease actually will not present with the, with the rash. And of note, the rash doesn't necessarily have to be at the bite site. It can be at a different location on the skin. So if you knew you got bit on your arm, but you find a circular bullseye lesion on your leg, um, you know, a week or so later, uh, you still have to consider that the possibility and have that evaluated. Okay. Should people save the tick? I hear a lot of people saying, oh, bring the tick to, to the doctor with you. Is that true or is that? It really is. And most physicians are not adept at identifying okay. <laughs> whether it's a, 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 a deer tick or not. Um, if we, we are able to make a diagnosis of Lyme disease based on the characteristic rash, okay. but if the rash is not present and you are developing symptoms such as swollen joints, uh, painful joints, fever, uh, other rashes, uh, then there are blood tests that can be done to determine whether you have antibodies to the Lyme disease. Okay. That's great. Thank you. Um, now we're talking about rashes. It's kind of a segue into my next question for you, which is the uh, poison plants, the poison ivy, Zumac, all that type of stuff. Um, let's talk a little bit about poison ivy. Again, I always refer to myself pulling weeds. I wore gloves because I am allergic to it. I have a pretty wicked reaction when I'm around it. Um, I, it's three leaves um, is kind of what people tell me. Anything with three leaves, stay away from it. What is poison ivy? And why does it affect people so sometimes severely like me? Poison ivy is, is sort of a nasty plant. Uh, more than 50% of the population is allergic to it, and the rash that you get from it is, a, is really what's known as a contact dermatitis. It's a, 
it's another allergic type of reaction to the oil, to an oil component that's secreted on the leaves of the plant. Uh, it is something that causes uh, redness, raised, um, very horrible. itchy bumps, <laughs> horrible, uh, very uncomfortable. Uh, and yeah, it's the, it is typically a three-leaf plant. It's typically found at the base of trees, but it can also be, um, you know, sort of like in the shrubs right. and um, very hard. Unless you really know what you're looking for, you can easily brush against it and not know it's there. Right. So it is wise that if you're doing gardening to wear gloves and, and keep your eye out for it. Now, there's a lot of different medications out there for it. Um, like I said, I've had it twice. Once so severe that I had to actually go on steroids, but um, there was a medication that kind of helped me. I forget what it was. It had a kind of had like a little bit of a roughness to it, and I kind of scrubbed it on my hand. Are there types of meds that you would recommend to help get the oil out, or is there really nothing you could do once it's starting? I mean, initially, if you know that you've been exposed, you see it and say, "Oh my goodness, I came in contact with it, and I didn't have my gloves on." Simply going in and washing your hands with warm soap and and uh, warm water. Uh, will help remove the oils. Because it's an allergic reaction, you have to do that generally within six hours of exposure. Okay. After that point, your body absorbs the oil, and there's nothing that you can do uh, to prevent it. You're going If you're allergic to it, you're going to develop the symptoms within 12 to 48 hours. All right, so you do have six hours, because I know this weekend I kept running in the house every 10 minutes thinking, oh, my God, I think I touched something, and I'd run in and wash, but I had a little bit of lead time um, with six hours. There are a lot of products time. out there and soaps uh, that, that clean to have some benefit even after the rash has developed. But, uh, you know, uh, from a study perspective, they really haven't panned out to be very effective. Just let time uh, run its course with it. Yeah. If it's severe in mild cases, it's really symptomatic treatment. So the itching can be helped with Benadryl, topical calamine lotion, um, uh, oatmeal baths, cool compresses, and really trying to avoid itching it, which can lead to bleeding and potentially a bacterial infection on top of it. Okay. Uh, very severe cases, ones that involve the face and eyes, um, and unfortunately, sometimes the genitalia right. are very serious. And that's something where your physician may prescribe uh, oral uh, corticosteroids to yeah. help calm your body's response and, and aid in the healing. Yeah, that's kind of what happened to me. It just kept spreading and it was getting worse and worse and I couldn't take it anymore. So that did help with the steroids. Um, another common thing that we um, find in the summer, of course, is um, just with children, with adults, um, we're out, we're running around, we fall, we cut ourselves. So I want to touch a little bit on abrasions and bleeding um, and talk a little bit about that. When should we go see an urgent care physician um, with a cut? Um, how would we? How do we educate people on when to come see someone like you? And how do we kind of stop bleeding ourselves at home? And when should we say, okay, let's go see somebody? Sure, I'll I'll get to that in one second. I did want to make one other point regarding the poison ivy. Sure. Uh, a common misconception is that the liquid that's contained within the blisters can spread or is contagious. Right. It actually is not contagious okay. at all. That's great. To know. <clears throat> that fluid is just sort of normal body fluid. Um, does not contain the oil. The oil's already been absorbed. It's gone. You can rub that on your body. You're not going to come down with more poison ivy. When people think that it's spreading, it's really because they have come in contact with the poison ivy in the different areas of their body. It just, your body hasn't responded yet to it. And 
can start showing the rashes in different places just over different periods of time. Gotcha. But it's not infectious. Okay. That's good to know because <clears throat> I did think that someone says, oh, don't come near me. I have poison ivy. It's not yep, You can go near them. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. That was good interruption because now that's something that we needed to know. Um, okay. Back to that question then. Scrapes, sure. abrasions. When do we come see you? Uh, any... Uh, scrapes and abrasions can be treated at home. Uh, when they happen, the best thing to do is to try and wash it with soap and water as quickly as possible. If there's any obvious contamination, dirt or uh, gravel, that you want to get that out um, to the best of your ability. Uh, certainly with children, it's uncomfortable and, and, uh, and a painful process, but it is important to help prevent infection. And you want to follow that up by just applying bacitracin and a, and a Band-Aid or a dry dressing uh, for the next couple of days until your normal new skin starts to heal over it and protect it. Okay. And with uh, cuts, I mean, I've had um, cuts at home where, you know, you look at it, it's like, wow, it's bleeding a lot. What's the best way to stop bleeding? Um, hold constant pressure for how long? Um, when's the point where you say, well, maybe I should go to the urgent care and see because it's not stopping? Sure. Sometimes uh, identifying a, a cut that needs uh, repair, it can be a little challenging at home. But generally, uh, all types of bleeding can can be controlled usually by, as you said, applying direct pressure with a clean cloth or if you have a sterile uh, gauze pad. And just apply constant pressure firmly for at least five to ten minutes. Don't constantly keep peeking under it to see right. if the bleeding stops. Every time you do that, it's like starting from square one. So hold the pressure constantly for five to ten minutes. You can, if it's on your hand or your arm, you, by elevating it, you can also decrease the blood flow to that area a little bit and help control the bleeding. If it persists despite applying direct pressure for more than 15 minutes, you should have that evaluated. If you open or see the wound and it uh, is bleeding very heavily, if you can see tissue inside, if you see things that look like fat or muscle and certainly bone, mm. then it's probably deep enough that it needs to be sutured and needs to be evaluated. Come see you a little quicker. Um, what type of first aid material um, would you recommend that we keep uh, at home? You certainly want to have uh, sterile dressings for uh, you know Band-Aids of different sizes, gauze pads to apply direct pressure for bleeding and to cover them up. Uh, bacitracin is an antibacterial ointment that helps protect from infection. Uh, gauze, roller gauze to help secure any, uh, any dressings that you'd be applying um, are the major things. And sterile water as well to help clean. Okay. Well, this has been such an interesting show, and I want to thank you for coming. We really touched a lot on uh, many different things today, but those are common questions that everyone has. Um, I'm probably going to bring you back in the winter months, and we're going to go over a little bit of a winter safety and health, which I'm sure there's a, a vast different questions. Again, my guest today was Dr. William Gluckman. He is uh, can be reached at 862-242-053. He's from Faster Urgent Care in Morris Plains at 130 Speedwell Avenue. Again, I'm Tom Wood from Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. We're located, our main office in Morristown at 310 Madison Avenue. You can reach us at 973-285-7800. And again, um, keep uh, looking uh, or listening to me, and we're going to be having our website launched in the next several weeks where you can actually go on to um, our Answers Live website where you'll have all the shows there, a little bit of a biography about each doc, and you can listen to these shows over and over again um, when maybe questions come up. So again, thank you so much, and I will be talking to you all again next Sunday. Stay well.
The preceding program was paid for by Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. The views and opinions expressed on Answers Live are not necessarily those of the staff and management of the station. Management has not investigated the claims made during this program. The views and medical recommendations of guests on Answers Live are not necessarily those of Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. As always, consult your health professional regarding any medical decisions.